millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you've missed any of my talk radio breakfast show, don't worry. We've put some of the punchiest bits of this morning's show into a bite-sized podcast. The Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. Enjoy. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. I'm delighted to welcome Universities Minister Michelle Donnellan to the show. Good morning to you. Good morning. Um, let's talk first of all about what's happening with university students. Comes under your uh, remit there. This plan for rapid testing to be rolled out so that uh, university students can leave university, return home, spend Christmas with their parents, as many are desperate to do after a very strange uh, term at university. How is this going to work? How is it going to be rolled out? Yeah, so you're quite right. It has been um, an extremely difficult term for students. That's one of the reasons that we made sure that we made the pledge that students can go home for Christmas. And this is about making good on that in the safest way possible for their loved ones and their communities. So testing is actually just one element of that. Fundamental to the plan is the fact that we've all got this four weeks of national restrictions now. Uh, working with, with our top scientific advice and the chief medical officer, the advice we've been given is that at the end of that four-week period, the risk that students will pose going back will be uh, much, much, much reduced. And so we created this window that between the 3rd of December and the 9th in which they can travel back. Universities will be staggering that between their faculties and between one another um, so that it, it alleviates pressures on transport, etc., and the reason why we picked the ninth is because if the student gets symptoms on the ninth or they're picked up on trace, it still allows them enough time to isolate before they get back. Now, testing is what we're doing to complement that. And we're going to target that testing, especially in those universities that might be of higher risk. So they might be in areas of higher R rates. They may have more vulnerable students um, that, that are, are registered to that university. So, for example, BAME students. So today's all about giving students confidence there is a route for them to get home for Christmas. OK, I mean, again, everything seems to be very much focused on Christmas Day. It's almost like the government is pinning everything on. As long as people can I sit around and have the turkey with more than just the immediate people in their family on Christmas Day, everything's going to be all right. And you refer to restrictions. It's not restrictions, it's a lockdown. It's a massive infringement on our freedoms. I mean, have we, have we had all these infringements and these restrictions so that, um, so that students can have this extra freedom? I mean, a lot of us would be saying, I'm not quite sure why that's our problem. Um, as absolutely not. So the reason why we've got the national restrictions is to gain control of the virus, to bring down that R rate and to make sure that um, we can uh, try and get back to some sense of normality for all of us. Um, and th- that is crucially important because at the heart of that is saving lives. You know, the prime minister has been very frank. He saw advice. It was stark and frightening advice about the pressure it would put on the NHS and the potential that we would end up having to break that fundamental principle of the NHS, that it's open and available to all. And I think that's a terrifying thought 
and one that really sharpens minds. Nobody wants the, this, these restrictions at all, but we need to do what we can to, to gain control of the virus. Okay. I'm obviously university's minister, which means I'm also university uh, responsible for students. And I think it's crucial that we can ensure they get home for Christmas. They have had a very difficult term. Are we going to make sure, though, that uh, they do actually get the online learning at, for the, at the end of term, which they would normally be getting in person, a lot of these universities? Because, uh, yet again, like a lot of the schools, not every university has been delivering. So, um, so the 9th is not a date where everything has to cease. We've said by the 9th, in-person learning has to cease so that students have the opportunity to, to get back in time or to, to do any self-isolation that they may need to do if they're tested positive. Um, the, mo the general model we've seen is a blended one, uh, both in person and online. And we think that's important because we prioritise education. We didn't want people to put their academic journeys on hold. And in person is fundamental to that. You know, we do need the next generation of nurses, the next generation of doctors, of scientists, of engineers, etc. And Sage warned of the mental health ramifications of having no in person learning. That's one of the fundamental reasons why we've worked so hard to, to keep universities open uh, throughout this process. OK, well, let's talk about the people trying to get to university in the next couple of years. Those pupils taking A-levels, uh, taking GCSEs a couple of years ahead. Um, the decision of the Welsh government to uh, cancel all of the external examinations uh, in Wales next, uh, next spring and next summer, uh, that, of course, led to a lot of concern. That's what's going to happen in England as well. Your boss, the Education Secretary, Gavin Williamson, has uh, said, no, that isn't what's going to happen. We, we are going to go ahead with exams, just to delay them by three weeks. Uh, in, uh, in in the U in in the in England, um, can we be sure there's not going to be a U-turn? Because on pretty much every area of education, the schools weren't going to close. Then they were closed. Uh, the uh, they they would uh, they would continue with the exams. Then the exams were over. Then we were going to have uh, uh, exam grading assessments, and then we, then it just became teacher assessments. There has been U-turn after U-turn after U-turn. How can we be certain whether it's uh, young people listening right now, or their parents, or indeed the teachers and the examiners? that the, these exams are actually going to go ahead for pupils in England? Yeah, so we're in an unprecedented circumstance with this pandemic. We are trying to give um, everybody clarity at every stage and be as transparent as possible, but that's not always going to be possible given the nature of coronavirus and the fact that it's so unprecedented. But we've been very clear. We believe exams are the best form of assessment. What we need to do, though, is continue to ensure that it's the fairest uh, we, we do that in the fairest way possible. So um, the Secretary of State on the 12th of October said to Ofqual that he wanted them to work with university, uh, with teachers and with schools to, to really bottom out how we can have contingency plans for those that may be self-isolating when exams are happening, how we can be fair in our grading process, how we can be more flexible potentially with um, some of the, the, the way that the examination papers work. Because it is important that these students are treated in a fair way. At the heart of it as well is all of our, our catch-up work, the, the one billion that we put in towards catch-up funding, the national tutoring programme, like you said, the, the delay of exams by three weeks, all of that is to ensure that students okay. get those exams done. So we can guarantee that next spring, next summer, England, English schools, all pupils will be seeing exams. You know it as well as I do that you can't guarantee anything. Oh. Pandemic. But what I've said to you today is that we believe exams are the fairest form of assessment. Our plan 
uh, is to ensure that students do take those exams. We've been working to making sure that they're the fairest uh, possible way okay. that we go about well, it. We're- okay, but what would stop? You said that, and 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 I think you know we all. I think most people listening to this would agree with that. What is what would stop those exams from going ahead? You think they're the right thing to do? I mean, Germany in the middle of the pandemic this year, this year was able to actually have their pupils do exams on account of the basis that you do your exams socially distanced anyway. You're not sitting crowded up with people. You're two meters apart. So. What would actually be the reason why they would have to be cancelled? If your plan is for them to go ahead, what justification could there be? What what could happen that would mean that they had to be cancelled this year? With next I year, sorry. Can get drawn into hypothetical scenarios of what could and couldn't happen. Um, I'm telling you that our plan is for exams to proceed. We're coming up with contingency plans for those that may be self-isolating on, on the date of an exam, etc., to ensure okay. that we are ruling out all of those possible scenarios that you uh, allude to, to ensure that exams do happen. We're doing everything we possibly can to get them to happen and in a fair way. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Big news yesterday, Welsh Government cancelling GCSEs, AS levels and A-level exams in 2021. They're going to have uh, effectively sort of teacher assessments, but have external assessment of those assessments. Pretty similar to what happened this year. Um, England says they're going to go ahead with their exams, but with a three-week delay, a delays course in Scotland and Northern Ireland as well. Do you think in the end all of the constituent nations of the UK are going to follow the Welsh, or do you think the Welsh are out of step? Well, I think I think Scotland already has cancelled their exams for this year as well. No, so no, you know, no, they haven't. No, no, they've haven't, okay. uh, no, they've cancelled GCSE equivalents. The highers are postponed. All oh, right. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think the most important thing is planning so that students can know, families can know, and you know, the, and in a way, eventually, you know, universities can prepare that these are going to be students that they have to look at in a different way to accept them and employers as well. So, if it's going to be cancelled, I think the earlier that they do it, the better. Yeah, that that is a crucial point. Well, let's put that point to my next guest, Robert Halfen, who's chair of the Education Select Committee and Conservative MP for Harlow. Good morning, to you, Robert. Hello there. Good, good morning. morning. Now, you and I, goodness me, I don't know how many times I think we've spoken more than. A 
I've spoken with my husband in the last year, <laughs> frankly, over the issues of schools. A lot of the schools doing a great job. A lot of the schools doing a really, really bad job of making sure children got uh, educated. The Welsh government has basically decided, look, kids, loaded kids didn't get um, their lessons. Uh, there's massive disadvantage. And it's not a fair playing field. Therefore, we're not going to have GCSEs and A-levels and AS-levels in the summer. Is that them being realistic and sensible or is that them being defeatist? Well, I don't agree with the Welsh decision, but of course it's a matter for them. I think uh, we had the Chief Inspector of Schools at our Education Committee in Parliament yesterday, and she said that if you cancel next year's uh, exams, it would take away the structure and motivation for pupils that many might not even return for the rest of the academic year. And I take the attitude, if it's not impossible, there must be a way to do it. And what I mean by that is we should have some kind of exams next year. You might need to narrow the curriculum. You might need to cut down the amount of papers or change the exam content. But exams are the best way of assessment. Uh, Students want it. I mean, BBC Newsnight had interviews last evening with sixth form students. They all said that they wanted exams because it gave them structure and certainty. I, I sort of wonder if I'd want to have the exams or not, but it also depends how much work you've done in terms of what you think the teacher is going to consider you as. Um, let's bear in mind that we are debating right now whether or not we should have exams next summer. Um, Germany managed to have their school exams this year at the height of the pandemic because, as we all know, schools are safe, should never have been closed, and are, were safe then, should have been open uh, and uh, and should stay, should remain open because teachers are at no higher risk than any other profession or any other workers of getting uh, the virus, certainly not from their pupils, but also exams of all things that children do, they're socially distant. I don't remember being within two metres of anyone in an exam hall. Um, there's no reason why they couldn't have gone ahead this year. Um, the fact that we're talking about the possibility of them not going ahead next year, isn't their message going out that we're just willing to sort of shrug our shoulders and whichever country, what they're doing. I mean, postponing them three weeks makes a lot of sense. But shrugging our shoulders and just saying, oh, well, never mind. We'll just fail another oh, I, generation. I think, we, I think we need to stop the poverty of low expectations. We need to have exams. As I say, you might uh, cut down the number of papers. You've got to make sure there's a level, level playing field for those students who've been sent home. But the government have provided a billion pound catch-up fund so you can teach these kids with extra tuition perhaps coming in on a weekends perhaps funding supply uh, teachers there's also 2.5 billion spent on the pupil premium for disadvantaged students so the money is there to help students who've been left behind to help them catch up and we need to have a positive can-do attitude in our country and actually I think the government have made the right decision to have exams even if they're slightly cut down from normal Okay. Um, do you trust, though, that the government isn't going to do a U-turn? They do U-turns on pretty much everything else. We know that the teachers are very good at their social media campaigns. I mean, I've, after I complained about what the Welsh government was doing and saying how ridiculous it was and defeatist and how, frankly, the public sector has got lots to learn from the private sector and being a bit more nimble and putting you know, shoulders to the grindstone and the like, I was inundated with messages from people. Invariably, it's people saying, my wife's a teacher, she's been working all year. And it's all saying, what do you want, a parade? everyone you know you've got a job you're not being furloughed you're not being out on your ear you should be doing your job this is when this is when having a career and a profession that you really care about really matters delivering there seems to be this attitude that you cannot criticize teachers even if the teachers in this case a lot of them have not done a not even not a good job not done a barely adequate job when is there going to be the comeuppance because the private sector that doesn't perform they're out on their ear 
That's the reality. Why have we allowed a situation to arise where millions of children, particularly those in the most disadvantaged homes who most need education to help them deliver, uh, to, to get the qualifications to, to, to have worthwhile uh, and, and fulfilling lives. Why have we allowed that to happen? And everyone's sort of going, oh, well, never mind. I mean, we are talking about this having an effect on five-year-olds from this year in, in, you know, this will have an effect in 15 years' time when they're not in the university places they could have got and not having the careers they could have got. We've just, as a nation, seem to have just gone, never mind. Well, I think we allowed, uh, and we talked about this many times, millions of children um, to do no, virtually no learning at all, despite the individual efforts of some schools and some good teachers and support staff. But millions of children did hardly any learning. I question Ofsted about this. They should have had a much more proactive role uh, during the lockdown, contacting school heads, contacting local authorities, working with schools to make sure that children were uh, learning. The government should have done more. There now is a directive to make sure from the Department for Education that children are learning. It's better late than never. But the government have got to be firm. The regulators have got to be firm. I do actually believe there are many good schools and many teachers who do want to uh, do yeah. exams uh, and who are uh, out there saying that and we've just the government have got to be very firm that even if it may be a cut down version it is much better it's the fairest way of assessment it gives children structure it's the way our school system is designed if other countries in the world can do it then so uh, so should we be able to yeah I'm, I'm, I'm with you all the way on that again I don't see why other countries can I mean the decision to, to move them back three weeks uh, that I mean, that makes a lot of sense we've seen uh, delays in the exams in Northern Ireland and in the um, highest equivalent of A-levels effectively in Scotland as well let me ask you also about uh, students at university. We're now talking about rapid tests being rolled out at university to enable uh, youngsters, what's well, youngsters, the young people, uh, certainly a lot younger than you and I, to return home at the end of their university term times. There is some concern about, you know, we had huge numbers of people, young people moving from their homes to universities and then catching the virus and possibly risk of spreading the virus. And now, of course, the risk of them going home um, and obviously going home often to middle-aged parents, maybe if we see people spending time with grandparents on Christmas. Um, are you concerned about this at all? Well, of course, you have to be careful, but my view is that it's much better for families, for families, mental health, well-being, if they're all together at Christmas. And I think the idea of keeping students in lockdown, in a lonely, in campuses, and you've got universities building fences around these campuses, as uh, happened last week, um, I think that would be uh, a disaster, to be honest. And I think actually families would be much better off if students were at home. What we've got to ensure, though, is that the online learning that uh, students are doing is second to none. And the government, the university's minister, the Office of Students should be monitoring that day by day, contacting the universities, making sure that students are getting first class uh, online learning while they go back uh, for Christmas. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Here are the words that Greg Clark actually said. If I look at what happens to high-profile female footballers, high-profile coloured footballers, and the abuse they take on social media... Right now, the eagle-eared there will notice that he said the, the words coloured footballers, not footballers of colour. One is a, a hugely offensive, a racist uh, phrase, and one is acceptable language in 2020. Many people might perhaps not know the difference. However, he has now lost his job for another other comments he said, and a lot of people saying he's a dinosaur, not fit to be a representing the game. 
but should he have gone? Calvin Robinson is a school governor, education consultant, a former assistant principal, and he joins us right now. Good morning to you, Calvin. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. How um, crazy is well, this is it. I mean, he was brought up, we picked up on this by, uh, by Kevin Brennan, a Labour MP, saying, well, you just used the phrase coloured footballers. Um, you know, did you, did, did, you, did you want to correct that? And, and immediately Greg Clark did say, oh, if he'd said that, and he said, people are footballers of colour. And he said, look, I, you know, I, I worked in America and I've, I've been sort of trained to use that sort of language, but if it was a slip of the tongue. He, he apologised immediately. Um, there was no malicious intent or racist intent in what he had to say as far as I could hear. Should he have gone? As a coloured person, I still don't understand the difference between a coloured person and a person of colour. It's like this uh, Cornell University renaming their English department to a department of English. We're just playing semantics now, aren't we? It doesn't. It's all about intent, as you said. I don't think he intended to be racist. He was fighting racism. He was saying the abuse these people face online is not right. And, you know, as he acknowledged, the words he used might not have been acceptable in 2020. But it's hard. It's difficult to keep adjusting your language. In it, it is. I mean, it, it is culture. in terms of what would have been normal, acceptable language in my day from someone who was not racist and is not racist. You know, the language that my parents used. These these have all changed. Um, now, I, I understand the difference between saying people of colour and coloured people. And, and, and the, the, the use of the word coloured, this comes from, you know, time of segregated United States um, and, right. uh, you know, and, and the movement was you know, from coloured uh, to, to black, to African-American. Um, you know, the, we know the unacceptability of the word, of the N-word, obviously, everyone right. knows that. But also the other N-word, Negro, again, that, that was introduced sort of as a almost as a, as, a, as a less racist version. Some people would have thought that was more acceptable. No, no longer acceptable and for understandable good reasons. Um, for an awful lot of people, black and white, um, it, it, it does, it, people trying to say the right thing with no, no racist intent in their hearts or minds whatsoever. Yeah. It is getting very difficult for a lot of people to know what it is they can and can't say. And, and the fear that saying the wrong thing the, the 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 penalty is huge now. Yeah. I mean, growing up, I was always called half-caste, and then it got upgraded to mixed race, and then it was person of colour, and now I think it's BME. But I don't know who's getting offended on my behalf, because I don't, you know, I don't particularly enjoy any of these terms. To me, I'm just Calvin. But, you know, if you need to categorise me for some kind of scientific reason, then whatever label you choose, as long as you're not using it derogatory, I don't really care. And it always comes down to the context and the way it's being used. And I think Greg Clark was fighting... Uh, fighting racism. He was arguing for diversity, arguing against abuse online. So in that context, his intention was good. And after being told the words he used weren't appropriate anymore, he apologised. Uh, but there's no forgiveness. You know, this woke cancel culture are very unforgiving. They are the intolerant ones. I don't think in this instance, Greg Clark was intolerant. They are. There seems to be a view that he's an old dinosaur. Oh, he's got form. He's, uh, you know, he's he was talking also in the same uh, uh, bit hearing about uh, girls, not younger girls, not like in the football being struck at them uh, it, it very hard about about being gay and that being a lifestyle choice. Now, I don't agree with him on any of this. I don't like his language, particularly any of this, but I don't don't have an issue with anyone having those views um, and expressing those views in the words that they choose. I don't really want to police other people's language uh, uh, unless I think it's outrageously, you know, uh, clearly offensive uh, uh, and, and deliberately intended to be so. That's the key thing. It's the intent. Um, do you think that a lot of this, though, is just an excuse to get rid of someone who they consider to be a, you know, male, pale and stale? 
Well, that's it, isn't it? If they wanted to educate people and wanted to improve the discourse, they'd accept the apology and let him learn from it. But this is about control. They're controlling the language so that they control what we think. So they, if they control what we say, they control uh, the messaging. And that's what it's all about. It's not what he said. It's how he said it. It's, you know, the message was positive. It was di inclusive, diversity, but the words he used weren't appropriate for them. So that's the tool they're using to get rid of someone that they consider yeah. to be not in uh, the approved narrative. A lot, a lot of people will say, oh, well, you know, brought it on himself. He should know the he should know the deal. He's paid a lot of money. And a lot of people have said that to me this morning, um, you know, you know, do tough. But a lot of people think that, well, this isn't going to happen to them because they're, you know, they're not above the parapet. They haven't got a big, important job that. That's not what's happening there, is it? This is actually happening to ordinary people in ordinary jobs all over the place. It's a massive overreaction. And when we see things like this happening on a, on a large scale, other companies and institutions copy it. So I'm getting messages from teachers who are saying, you know, I've said the wrong thing. I used the wrong word. I'm now worried about my job. People are getting cancelled left, right and centre for the language they're using. And it's difficult to keep up to date with what are the OK words to say. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to the Julia Hartley Brewer Daily. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.